Okay, we will continue. So we ended last session basically by saying that uh, the gift of uh, speaking in tongues was not the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it was one of the tools that we get in this baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of the tools to, to build up and strengthen our inner man. Some may say that the Bible doesn't really talk so much about speaking in tongues. And I would say then you haven't really read the Bible carefully because when I read the Bible, I see quite a lot of passages about speaking in tongues. Uh, actually, it is one of the few topics in the Bible that has a whole chapter specifically talking about this gift. Uh, we will look more on that. But I want to start by reading from Mark 16, just to show you uh, a few of those places where the Bible specifically mentioned the issue of speaking in tongues. Um, Mark 16, 17 to 18, we have read an earlier session, but it's uh, Jesus kind of giving the first disciples their, uh, their job description. And he says in Mark 16, 17 to 18, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Notice that Jesus said they will speak with new tongues. He didn't say that they may speak with new tongues or that some of those who believe will speak with new tongues, but others, they will not. No, he just say they will speak with new tongues. That, that's part of the new covenant. That was part of this new thing that God would be doing. Uh, we would get the ability to speak in new tongues. Some may, might say that the only reason for, for the gift of speaking in tongues is to spread the gospel. But that is something that people say as they kind of try to find some excuse to why it is not for everyone. Because when you read in the Bible, uh, you actually never see that the, the gift of tongues is being used to spread the gospel. Yes, in Acts 2, they did speak in other languages. The other people understood what they said. Uh, and many people got saved, but it doesn't say that they preached the gospel when they were speaking in tongues. It said they were glorifying God. And when you read chapter 2, you see that it was not the fact that they were speaking in tongues that made people believe. That was the thing that made people go like, ah, what is this? That was maybe the thing that drew, that drew a crowd, the things that made, they repent, made them repent, the things that made, how to say, their heart being uh, touched was Peter preaching the gospel to them. So uh, first is Mark 16. We see that Jesus specifically says that 
This is a gift. This is something that those who believe will do. Then we can go into the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, there are several passages that specifically mention the issue of speaking in tongues. One of them is Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. We can read that. Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as, a, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What was the result of this? They began to speak with other tongues. And here it's also worth noticing that when people started to questioning what is happening, and Peter start to address the crowd and says, no, no, these people are not crazy, they are not drunk, but this is what Joel prophesied about. What had just happened? They had been filled with the Spirit and started to speak to the, with uh, new tongues. And what did Peter, Peter say? He said that this is that. This is what Joel prophesied about. Um, it also here, it doesn't say that it was only a few of them that, was, that started to speak in tongues. Now, all of them. And it was not only the first apostles that were scattered here. It was 120 people, at least, that would gather in this place, praying, seeking God. And the result was that all of them started to speak with new tongues. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter is, how to say, being sent by the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles to preach the gospel for the first time to Gentiles. And there we see in Acts 10, verse 44 to 46. Acts 10, 44 to 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, he has just been preaching the gospel, uh, it, it says, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Did you notice that again? It says, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Very often when people use this argument that the, whole, that the gift of tongues is a gift that God has given us in order to preach the gospel, uh, to other tribes or people with other languages. I think it's worth noticing here that the gift of tongues here, it was not Peter speaking in tongues, but it was the people who got saved who spoke in tongues. It doesn't make sense if, if tongues were only supposed to be a part uh, a tool for Peter to evangelize the, the other nations and the other tribes, then it would be Peter speaking in tongues, and the miracle would be that the other people would be able to understand him. But here we see 
Peter, he was speaking in a normal language that these people could understand. The result was not that Peter started to speak in tongues, but that those who were saved began to speak in tongues. And it says that the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Again, it was not only a few of them, it was all of them. Just as in Acts chapter 2, all of them. Here also in Acts 10, all of them. It is something that is for everyone. And that's, as we saw in an earlier session, that is kind of one of the things that Joel is really trying to make people understand that this new thing that God was going to be doing was going to be for everyone. We can continue in Acts 19. Here, Paul uh, and his companions, they meet some believers. Uh, we read this uh, scriptures, I think, last time, uh, but we will read it again now uh, from the New King James Version I'm reading from now. Uh, Acts 19, verse 5 and 6. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Interesting to see here that it separates speaking in tongues with the gift of prophesying. When they started to speak in tongues, it was obvious here that they also started to flow in the gift of prophecy. Because as a result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, starting to speak in tongues, they also started to prophesy. And I believe, as we will see later when we are going to be talking about the spiritual gift, you know, when, the, when, the, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit and start to speak in tongues, it releases all of the other gifts starts to operate in our lives the more we use this gift of speaking in tongues. There are also other passages in the book of Acts that maybe doesn't use exactly the word speaking in tongues, but still from the context and from reading the other passages that talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can understand that even though these passages doesn't specifically use the word tongues, it is theologically sound to assume that that is what happened. One of these places is Acts 8, when Philip goes to Samaria. Uh, and people get saved, they get baptized. Uh, the people in Jerusalem here that Samaria have received the gospel. They send Peter and John to, so that they also will be filled with the Spirit. Again, as we talked about last time, these are two different experiences. So it says in Acts 8, 14 to 17. Now when the apostle who were at Jer Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they were saved, but they had still not received the Holy Spirit, as we had read about in Acts chapter 2. And let me continue. For as they had, uh, for, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. If you read chapter 8 here in context with chapter 2, which we already have been re reading about, in context with chapter 10, which we also just have been reading, it is, I think it's theologically safe to assume that what we read about here is the same kind of things happening. The things that started in Acts chapter 2 was continuing in Acts chapter 8. It was continuing in Acts chapter 10. It was continuing uh, in chapter 19. It is the same thing that is happening. And it's kind of obvious that when this thing happened, that in some kind of way, it was somewhat spectacular. The reason why I say that is because when you read verse 18 and 19, we read about Simon, one of the people who had got saved, which used to be a sorcerer. Uh, when he sees these people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was obviously so spectacular that he really got impressed. I mean, he really said to himself, I need this ability. So he goes to the apostles, and in, verse, in Acts 8, 18 and 19, it says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands of the apostles, uh, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands uh, may receive the Holy Spirit. So Simon, there was something about what was happening that really impressed Simon to the point where he was kind of trying to bribe and if, how to say, the apostle to also give him this ability. The truth was that he could have this ability, but it was not something that he could buy. And if you read the, the whole passage, you see that, you know, Peter was not very willing to to pray for Simon for this. Uh, rather, he was willing to pray for him that he should repent uh, because he could see that Simon's intentions was not pure. We don't know for sure, but, but I hope that, uh, that Simon, that he uh, repented. Um, we will also take a look at uh, what Paul says about it, because as I th mentioned in the early, earlier chapter, chapters, it's not only in, in Mark and in the book of Acts that talks about speaking in tongues, but actually speaking in tongues is one of those few topics in the Bible that actually have one whole chapter specifically about this topic. I mean, the Bible talks about a lot of different topics, but very often they are kind of scattered out on many different chapters in many different books. But the gift of speaking in tongues is one of those things where Paul actually uses a whole chapter specifically on this gift. And to me, it doesn't make sense that Paul would use a whole chapter. I'm saying chapter no, now, knowing that, of course, in the original, it was not divided into chapter and verses, but I hope you understand what I mean. It doesn't make sense to me that Paul uses so much time specifically teaching about this gift 
if he knew that in a few years this gift will no longer be in operation, that it was a gift that was only supposed to be for the first Christians and for the first apostles, and then it would kind of die out. It doesn't make sense that God, because I mean God, the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired Paul to write what he was writing. It doesn't make sense that the Holy Spirit would inspire Paul to use so much time and energy to teach about this gift if this was just a gift that God later would redraw and that would no longer be available for us. It is also one of those gifts that it's very clear that this gift of speaking in tongues was very important to the Apostle Paul. First of all, because we can see how much time he uses on teaching on this gift, but he also says himself uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he says, I thank my God, I speak uh, with tongues more than all of you. It's kind of funny because I was uh, reading John MacArthur's uh, Bible commentary on, uh, on 1 Corinthians 14. And I think it's quite well known that he is one of those who is strongly opposed to people speaking in tongues. And in his commentary, he wrote that speaking in tongues, when, when Paul was talking about speaking in tongues, he was re referring to a pagan practice where people would get into kind of this ecstatic state and they would speak in tongues. Well, if that is the case, it makes very little sense to me that Paul would say, I do this more than all of you. I don't think Paul was practicing pagan ritual, uh, getting into some kind of frenzy uh, under the influence of demons and starting to speak in tongues. That totally doesn't make sense to me that Paul would, would say that and also that he would say that he who speaks in tongues edifies his spirits or edifies himself. I don't get spiritually edified by practicing pagan rituals. I get spiritually edified by the Holy Spirit of God when I allow Him to work through me. So we see that it's one of those gifts that uh, meant a lot to Paul, and it's one of those things that Paul, according to himself, does more than any of the others that was there. And then we might wonder, was that why God used Paul so much? I remember I was uh, listening to uh, Catherine Coleman, and for those of you who don't know who she was, she is one of those uh, healing evangelists who has been, almost more than anyone else, have been used mightily by God uh, in, in, uh, when it comes to healing. And she herself says very clearly it was the gift of the Holy Spirit that was her secret. And I remember because I, I saw this documentary and there were uh, documented story of people who had have twisted limbs where suddenly in her meetings 
the, the bones and everything would just kind of straighten out. Uh, there were, after her meetings, there were queue of people who had gotten up out of wheelchairs and all kinds of sicknesses and diseases were being healed. And she said she never preached it, preached if she didn't have at least three hours to speak in tongues. And then you kind of go like, hmm, do I, do I use so much time before I preach? Well, I tried to learn from her. So I tried to get as much time as I can before I preached specifically to speak in tongues because I think there is spiritual truth here. But it's interesting to see from someone who obviously knew more than most other people when it comes to uh, flowing in the Holy Spirit, that she says that one of her keys is that she spent at least three hours before every meeting specifically to speak in tongues. That should make us go, aha, maybe there is more to, to this gift than we originally have been thinking. Uh, just before we end, um, it is also kind of interesting to notice that, I mean, most people, they know that when Paul was writing uh, to the Corinthians on the issue of spiritual gifts, he, he was, if you, if you know the background story, you know that the Corinthian church was a church that had kind of gone woohoo on spiritual gifts. They, they had gone to almost crazy on spiritual gifts and also probably on this gift of speaking in tongues. And you might think that when, when Paul would addressing this church who had gone crazy on spiritual gift, that he would go like, hey, hey, slow down. You, you need not, don't speak in tongues so much. No, no, you, you need to slow down a little bit. But to this church who already had been going almost crazy when it came to spiritual gifts, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking with tongues. I find that kind of interesting. In verse 1, he encourages them to desire earnestly to speak in the gift of the Spirit. Here he says, desire earnestly to prophesy, and he specifically says to this church, who already has been really, you know, going crazy on spiritual gifts, he says, do not, by the way, don't forbid anyone to speak in tongues. He had some words of corrections, but it's very clear at the same time, he, he was making sure that, don't think that I'm saying that you should hinder people in speaking tongues. No, don't forbid anyone to speak in tongues. But as we will continue to see when, when he, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, he does have some instructions on how to do it correctly, but we should never take those uh, instructions as Paul trying to diminish the value of speaking in tongues or trying to discourage people from speaking in, tongue, in tongues. Quite on the contrary, he is trying to make them see how important this gift is. But this gift needs to be put in the right context. And in the next sessions, we will continue to look that the Bible has different kinds of tongues. 
And if we mix this, what the Bible says about one kind of tongues into another kind of tongues, that we mix everything together, we will be confused. It's important to understand the different kinds of tongues that the Bible talk about and how to use the different, what is the right setting for the different kinds of tongues. But let us take a short break and then we will continue again.